trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding And today I'm talking with visual artist activist Andrea Bowers and Lauren Leving curator at large at the Cleveland Museum of Contemporary Art, or commonly called MOCA. Ohio-raised Andrea Bowers is a Los Angeles-based artist who has been recording and amplifying the work of activists, present and past for more than two decades. Her multimedia practice includes drawing, video, sculpture, and installation work that foregrounds the experience of the people who dedicate their time and energy to the struggle for gender, racial, environmental, labor, and immigration justice, and those who are directly affected by systemic inequality. Over time, her different bodies of work have become a document of the changing language, prerogatives, and dynamics of social justice movements. In 2021, a major mid-career survey of Bauer's work curated by Michael Darling and Connie Butler opened at the MCA Chicago and traveled to the Hammer Museum in Los Angeles in 2022. And we'll hear more about her upcoming exhibit. Lauren Leving is a curator and writer based in Chicago, Illinois, and Cleveland, Ohio. Her work explores how creative practice can expand institutionally rooted understandings of access. Currently, she is curator at large at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Cleveland. She's the associate curator for the Orange County Museum of Arts 2024 California Biennial and co-creator of Everlasting Plastics, originally presented in the U.S. Pavilion during the 2023 Venice Architecture Biennial. Since joining MOCA in 2019, Leving has organized projects including the Getting to Know You Residency, which supported the production of Messages to Authorities, a large-scale textile commissioned by Aram Han Sufuentes, and Don't Mind If I Do, a group exhibition stewarded by Finnegan Shannon. She holds an MA in Museum and Exhibition Studies from the University of Illinois, Chicago, and a BA from Tulane University. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us. On December 21, 2023, Andrea, you posted on Facebook, a line from the Lake Erie Bill of Rights will be shining over Lake Erie on the Science Center across from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And you added photos and a video clip from the installation of your work of art, which is now hundreds of feet high, installed on the Great Lakes Science Center next to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. Congratulations. Thank you for helping and, me. Megan, the director, we couldn't have, I couldn't have done it without them. Took the no, of course. Center. I mean, this is a big and very public work of art. So let's talk about this huge glowing sign that says Lake Erie has the right to exist, flourish, and naturally evolve in red, green, yellow, and blue neon. It started with a, a curator who's in Orange County now named Courtney Finn, who is the chief curator at MOCA Cleveland. And um, I always start, she she was working on a show where she was kind of letting artists who don't do like super traditional art forms kind of in, develop projects at MOCA Cleveland, anything they want to do. That show never happened, mainly because of COVID. But before COVID, I had said to her, well, my process is that I, I think I want to, I love the lake so much and I'm concerned about the algae bloom. 
Um, because my, I grew up three houses off the lake in Huron, Ohio. My family still owns that house. I go home several times a year, right? Like it's still my family home. So I'm really aware of what's going on. My brother is an environmental scientist who's working um, in the Maumee River. So it's super close to me what's going on in Ohio with the with the waterways. So we just reached out to a bunch of activists. This is what I always do. Have the institution research local activists working on these issues. And then I flew to Cleveland and we met and interviewed and visited tons of folks all over. We went out to the islands. It was amazing. But when I met Tish, I was just like, that's it. Like rights of nature. Like, and I was, I was also looking at, I've been doing a lot of law as activism. I just worked with Trace Chase Strangio, who was Chelsea Manning's lawyer and is a lawyer for the ACLU fighting all the trans hate bills across the America. So I'm really looking at the legal system right now as a site of making change. And rights of nature just seemed so perfect to me. Like, of course, nature is alive and has rights, right? Like nature has the right to exist, flourish, and naturally evolve. So I just started digging through the language and trying to see, find powerful, um, I don't know, the linguistics of something that would be powerful, but at the same time, positive. And I don't know, we had written, I, I do, I do public neons. I make a lot of neons. I see my role as an artist is like being part of the art committee of an action and just visualizing the the i the slogans and the main ideas of a political uh, activist campaign so i just started collaborating with tish and thinking about ways and so i i, I just wanted to do a public sign on lake gary you know and and it took years to to get a spot and you know and we got amazing funding lauren who are the funders for that it's a group um of- yeah well, Via Art Fund yep. um, specifically funded the Neon, um, and then it, you know it happened in support with CELDEF, where Tish works, Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund, and the Great yep. Lakes Science Center, but um, private donors as well and community partners um, that were really, really very grateful for to have this incredible Neon on our waterfront. Yeah, so I, I mean, it just, and then I wanted to have, I wanted to have um, Tish do community outreach and, you know, um, events around it, like public programming, but have it run by the activists. And, uh, and then, you know, a a film, a film about that really deeply investigates the issues and makes it clear for folks. And then it developed into an, they asked, you know, Mocha Cleveland over the years said, let's do a show too while we're at it. So I think the pause from COVID ended up working out really well because this has just evolved and evolved and evolved. And I consider it like my unicorn project. You know, I don't think any other giant institution would take this on. And I think it's way too much for an institution like Mocha Cleveland to handle. And so I'm, I, you know, I never thought something like this project could exist and I can't believe we're making it happen. Like, it's so exciting. (laughs) So, you know, I, and I, you know, being from Ohio, I didn't want a really angry slogan. I think that was the key, you know, and um, yeah, I just wanted something that everyone could kind of agree with, right? You can't argue with that slogan. 
<laughs> so, and then maybe the aesthetics of it, and that makes people pause before they judge rights of nature. You know, maybe that simple phrase pulled out, you go, huh, I, I agree with that. You know, I'll take a pause before I decide to fight against this, this type of legislation or look down upon it. Lauren, how did you become part of this project of this huge neon sign and then eventually the um, exhibit? Yeah, yeah. So as Andrea mentioned, this project uh, initially started with MOCA's former chief curator and now the chief curator at Orange County Museum of Art and my mentor, um, Courtney Finn. And so I was working on public programs while Courtney was the, the curator. And as she kind of transitioned away, we began sort of collaborating to see how this could continue to to evolve into a larger project. So alongside the NEON, which Andrea already kind of gave a shout out to our director, Megan Rich, but she was, you know, instrumental in in really erecting the NEON, working with the Great Lakes Science Center, untangling the, the permitting, which is no easy feat. And so working alongside her to kind of produce this, this exhibition, because as the scale and scope of the project evolved, we thought, why can't why can't we take a deeper look into Andrea's work really rooted in the rights of nature um, and the Lake Erie Bill of Rights and kind of connect a lot of the work that she's already been doing with, with this specific project. And so in one of MOCA's galleries, the first floor will have um, this documentary that Andrea is, is making specifically for the show. And I'm, I'm so thrilled. It's going to be amazing and we'll have comfy seating. And so everyone will want to kind of stay and, and watch it. And it's going to be so beautiful. And then in our upstairs second floor gallery, we'll have a presentation of work uh, that is kind of connected through a timeline. And so Andrea wrote wrote this really wonderful piece stating that like her life is sort of bookended between the 1969 fire on the Cuyahoga River and then the 2014 issue where Toledo's drinking water was infested with algae blooms and people couldn't drink their water for three days and so using these as kind of poles to expand this timeline which is really a history or a portrait of Lake Erie and the waters flowing into it and so thinking about how her work all kind of lends itself to this, right? All kinds of kind of lends itself to the the ways in which um, nature can and should be allowed to flourish. I say allowed because humans put restrictions on that, which is um, horrible. Um, but really presenting these facts, so right, like you're you're seeing this neon, you're experiencing this neon in front of the water, and right, how can you how can you deny that the water that you are standing on that like our bodies are made of over 60% water. How can you deny that this has a right to flourish and evolve? And then visiting the gallery and kind of connecting it back and seeing these facts that you're like, oh, this is horrible. I didn't know this. And here's a success, but they happen within the same six months. And so seeing how there is kind of this cyclical nature to nature um, through Andrea's, Andrea's work and connecting it with this timeline. See, what's so beautiful is Tish, the activist, has educated all of us. Like, look how articulate Lauren is in talking about these issues. And that's really like the goal of the show. You know, just bringing people's awareness to what's going on in, in the Ohio ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say River, that- The Ohio Great Lakes, inside and outside. It's the mindset in Ohio politics has been let's use our state rather than let's work with and protect 
Andrea, you're from Huron, which is just east of Sandusky and near Cedar Point and not far from Cleveland. Talk I about- went to Bowling Green State University. I know you're an Ohio girl, all right? My grandfather was a farmer in southern central Ohio. My mother was raised on a farm and I spent a lot of my childhood on a farm. So, you know, the phosphorus issue in the lake is near and dear to me because my grandfather was like trying to rotate crops when I was a kid to do things more sustainably, you know, and he was a really small farmer. And so I have sympathy for the farmers as well as the lake and what's the, the what's being done to the lake and how it affects the people who live on or near it. I think, I yeah, I think that for me, it's really the problem is the state's inability to manage corporate farming. You know, it's really the, and it's the animal abuse as well, right? It's not just manure, tons of manure, literally giant, what look like massive, they're bigger than swimming pools, you know, giant vast liquid manure that then get trucked out to the fields. There's two mile, two miles. They have, they have 12 inch pipes that are two miles long that attach to what look like giant rototillers, like giant, and they spray manure and they spray it so much that it dip, drips into the creeks. I have footage of all of this and it's shocking and it's not being, you know, it's not being controlled. And that's the problem. There's too much manure dumping into our waterways and it's scary. You know, and to try going into Lake Erie, it is a big, and it goes from the creeks into like the St. John and the Maumee rivers out into the lake. And that's why Toledo, when I was in Toledo, just accidentally shooting this, when we shot this footage, what was it last summer or whatever, the beaches were closed. I was like, why is no one on this beach? And then I looked and I'm like, the sign said, do not swim, you know, uh, poisonous algae bloom. Like shocking. The one one day I'm on this beach in Toledo, it's of course shut down in the summer. And I, I think I didn't get it. It's like such a complicated issue. It was a local um, veteran who I happened to see. I was introduced to some of his footage online, handheld, not an expensive camera. He's the reason I can tell this story because he would go day after day, week after week, month after month, and shoot all these farms. And he visualized everything on film so I could understand how it works. Because to tell me this, I don't quite get it. But to see it, it's amazing. So yeah, I just, I think if anything else, it might be hard for people to see this. But I think there's a reality of what's happening. And I'm really glad I caught it on film. I think it's hard to see. That's going There's, to be your film at the exhibit. And it's basically about factory farming and its impact on Lake Erie. Yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to like have all of my films interview. I, I'm always, almost always make a video for a show. That's how I start. I interview the activists and they teach me, right? They, they, they teach me. And also activists don't always have the time to record themselves. They're so darn busy. So I like to record them because I think... That's where I find hope, you know, with all this, this climate crisis we're in, you know, 
the 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 climate grief for me is really intense you know and i find that it's i can like feel this intense grief when i hear of an extinction or i hear about the fires and then i can put it out of my head not to feel so i'm trying to really pay attention to that grief and i'm looking for hope in my artwork i'm trying to find the hope you know the hope for change the hope of the work the activists are doing you know and in this case the hope of rights of nature legislation right? And the hope in that a museum would take this on and do it with me. You know, that's, it's super exciting. As an activist, that's huge to, to see a big institution that's funded by a lot of very moderate folks, not necessarily folks that are very environmentally aware or even progressive. So it's really big yeah, <laughs> to see that collaboration, but also it shows that Andrea, your art speaks for itself. And your body of work is so affirmed by the art world that um, well, you know, that, and there, that's there, how we made that connection. There, there, there are goodness knows it's a compromise for me because art is one of the top luxuries in the world, right? So that's a battle I'm having all the time. So, but when I was a young artist, it's something. It's my biggest struggle, the kind of ethics of of you know being part of you know a luxury commodity, right? Like the capitalism part of it is hard, but early on, I thought a lot about it. Like, do I try to make work outside the institution? But ultimately my job is to bring voice to these issues. And I had to work really hard on my career to get media attention for these issues, right? That becomes part of my job. What we're doing right here is talking about the issues and trying to have the some of the work be as beautiful as possible, right? And to get it in museums. When I started, I never thought I'd be in a museum, right? You know, and especially coming from Ohio, you know, there's a there was a thing where I thought, well, I can't do that in a big city. I'm an Ohio girl. How am I ever going to do this? And uh, you know, luck and hard work, but focusing on, I need to work on a career where I have the power to put these things in major institutions so they get attention. Like this was a strategy when I was young, which I don't know how I thought of it, but you know, yeah. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. And today I'm talking with Andrea Bowers, artist activist, and Lauren Leving, curator at MOCA, which is in Cleveland, the Modern Art Museum. Lauren, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, it's an incredible strategy of working in the arts. And I feel like kinship of the way that like using the privilege of being here, of working in this, in the arts to kind of like educate people for these, to these really important causes. Uh, Art is the way that I kind of understand and navigate the world. And so institutional critique um, and working with activist causes is really important. And I think that being able to we see museums as, in theory, like a public hub of culture where humans gather. And so how are we bringing them in and how are we inciting this really um, this really exciting conversation, but also seeing we can't do it like as institutions, regardless of if it is a museum or whatever institutional structure, like we can't do this on our own and working with brilliant artists. I recently wrote that like when you work with an artist for institutional change, it is a loophole where um, kind of like the pace of possibility quickens. And so you're able to do things in an institution when you work with a, like a brilliant person like Andrea, who is uplifting these activists and encouraging and pushing for change and being able to have a platform like MOCA is really exciting 
where Mocha is excited to work with Andrea and then we're able to get like our message across and see how so other people can learn, right? Because I learned so much during this process and it's so important to continue to share this knowledge and um, make it extend outwards to our audiences. I think, you know, I also... I kind of, I went to grad school in the nineties and it was like the era of postmodernism and it was a bit negative, you know, art can't do anything. Everything's, you know, already been done. Let's just throw together old styles. History is dead. Right. I never believe that. And for me, I like, I believe that art can make, I believe art is powerful. Right. I believe in art. So, you know, I, and, and going to Bowling Green State University, I, I, I learned a lot of crafts right? People don't really teach crafts in art school anymore. And my skill set, my ability to make something, you know, and anything, anything I want to make, I love to learn. Like I'm loving learning neon right now. You know, I'm, I was in a welding studio yesterday for the show, you know? So I love craft and technique and believe I can use it. And I believe in art to affect people in ways that nothing else does. So bringing art and activism together just seems perfect for me because, you know, the issues that I support are like, are what, are what makes what I feel passionate about, right? Everybody should make art about what they're passionate about. And for me, it's these amazing activists and the work they're doing. Interesting you were talking about crafts and building and excitement because when I read an article about you in the New York Times, it said that your dad was a shop. He taught shop in high school. So did that impact you at all as far as feeling empowered to Well, funny enough, he wouldn't be he wouldn't let me in his shop. I tried to take a shop class and he refused me. I wanted to learn metal and woodworking. And he said, he said, You're a klutz. I'm not having you. <laughs> but you know, I mean, he did teach me a lot, right? Like he and I, he, I also consider him like a folk artist, you know, he made a ton of stuff. And I was always up until the day, you know, up until the end of his life, he and I were in the garage making things together. But the other thing my dad was, was always on the lake, you know, he being a high school teacher, he didn't make very much money. So he would fish you know, he loved to fish. He loved the outdoors and he was really concerned, uh, you know, about where the lake was growing. My grandparents had a house on the lake and we would spend hundreds of hours, thousands of hours sitting, eating together on this huge front porch and watching the storms. You know, like my whole life was that lake and was about protecting, you know, the forests and everything around us, you know, because we, we really survived on it, right? We didn't have enough money to maybe live without nature feeding us, but it was also about protecting us. And so, yeah, my dad had a huge impact on me. And my mom was involved in local politics. You know, she was obsessed. She went to every city council meeting, you know, she was a feminist. So like, I get it naturally from them. And my dad, all my dad's neighbors worked in, in like car plants, right? They were all in unions. So every morning before school and before they went to work, I'd sit and listen and talk with them about union politics, right? They taught me. So, you know, yeah, I get it all naturally. I remember being like seven years old, talk, arguing with them about women's rights and, you know, within the union. <laughs> I love it. Seven it's years just old. My nature. You know, but it was it was all those like working class folks working hard in those car plants who really taught me about unionizing. So Lauren, what has surprised you the most about working with Andrea and Seldef? Tisho Dell. 
What has been the the aha moment or idea that's come to you? I mean, it's a few things. I think just like working with Andrea and Tish and the kind of like possibilities of brainstorming and like having all of these ideas and they're both really excited to kind of share and 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 all think alongside like we can think alongside each other and I mean it's just been a really wonderful process that um every day I want to push myself further of like how can we strengthen like this presentation how is like how are we making these connections how are we going to share this information um with all of the humans that enter the museum and just kind of having the freedom to think I don't want to say outside the box. I don't like that phrase, but like think differently, think more expansively about what an exhibition or a presentation of artwork can look like within a white walled gallery. And so that has been really a great experience in terms of like creating an exhibition with Andrea and Tish. And it's just like a privilege to be able to, to work with them. And I think the other thing is, as I said, like I, the way that I learn or navigate the world is through art and like conducting research. That's when I feel most at home and most in my body, I think. Uh, And so learning about all of the horrible things that humans do to the earth and, and Ohio's water specifically, like every fact that I kind of uncover, every study that I'm reading from the EPA, uh, it's truly, it's just been so it's wild and it's been so informative to me as a person that that lives and that grew up on the Great Lakes, right? I'm from Chicago. I grew up on Lake Michigan. And so also having this connection to the water, which you, you said that like last year we couldn't, you couldn't swim like that one day that you were in Ohio filming. And I remember just like weeks where you could not touch Lake Michigan. You couldn't enter Lake Michigan. Um, it was too, the water was too dangerous polluted poisoned andrea what do you want to leave with our listeners today i want to let everybody know that the opening is february 2 in cleveland it's the cleveland museum of contemporary art but andrea please have the last word i think that farmers activists people who live in the city i think there's a way for us i think there's a way for all of us to come together and solve these problems these problems are solvable and i think it's just facing it and not looking away and ignoring it. And those, the the Great Lakes are our most valuable gift. Water is the most important thing we have in the world and and let's uh, protect it. This is not meant to be mean-spirited. This is meant to be done with love and making the world a better place. I'm a utopian. (laughs) We can fix these things. (laughs) Thanks so much, both of you. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio with artist activist Andrea Bowers and Lauren Leving, curator at Cleveland Museum of Contemporary Art. In addition to our Friday 5 p.m. broadcast on WGRNLP, Grassroot Ohio now airs at 2 p.m. on Sundays at WCRS-FM Columbus. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back. Come down, come down, come down.